Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series, from current events to fascinating finds, to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. And Darren, this is our 18th Deeper Podcast episode. Is that weird to you? It like, is kind of weird. Like if you were to have literally like threatened to chop off a finger if I could guess the number wrong uh, or right, whatever, I would have lost a finger because I would have thought like a, a yeah. dozen, 10 of them maybe. Yeah, we're about to hit 20 here soon. And uh, yeah, so 18, I think we started this over the summer. And it's just been an outlet for for you and for us and our listeners to go a little bit deeper into each and every week um, for, from Sundays, the teachings from Sundays. And one thing that we're going to do today is we're going to play just a little bit of catch up and we're going to dive yeah. into Revelation 13, which uh, that message was titled Marked by Worship, which you can obviously found, find in our podcast link. Uh, but yeah, Marked by Worship, Revelation 13, all things, image of the beast, mark of the beast, etc. Yeah, you know, in the olden days, um, we used to have to go to church on Wednesday nights. Do you remember? Do you have to oh, go to church oh, yeah, on Wednesday yeah, night? Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't realize it back then, but Wednesday night and Sunday night were basically, yeah. yeah, that was basically what the pastor did to get everything that he couldn't get in on a Sunday morning <laughs> for the rest of the night. Our culture, technically, uh, we could do a Wednesday night service and there'd probably be four of us there, which would be you, me, and our wives. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So this podcast was actually born out of that idea that there's a lot... Uh, in the word and a lot of uh, just a lot that we can't get to in 30 minutes on a Sunday. And you know, Hey, the, the world changed. People consume information. So if you're listening yeah. to this right now, you know, you're probably on your way to work, you know, uh, you're going to start it. You're going to finish it later. Uh, you do it out of order. Uh, you binge them, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and a new friend of mine, Jason Beto said he has been binging, uh, these, nice. like he's almost caught up and that's only been in like two weeks. So I don't know if we had prizes, but, but Beto would definitely deserve a prize. Yeah. It's, it's just something that I feel like the church and the, maybe the big church, and at least for us at Conduit is just modifying, um, our strategies on how people consume information. Like let's, let's, let's bring it to them in the ways that they're actually listening. Yeah, right. I mean, that's um, in a perfect world, Wednesday night, we'd all get together. Uh, but the fact is, is, hey, that's just not going to happen. And, and by the way, I might actually add, there's something about even in our this new world that it's it's probably okay. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because being in church Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, you know, Thursday sure. night prayer meeting, Tuesday night, you know, the small group, the men, like you literally are in church so much that you never get a chance to even interact with your community or your mm-hmm. family or... Right. Um, and, you know, if Satan can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And yeah, that'll that, preach. Uh, yeah, I'll write, I'll write that down. Actually, that's good. Uh, yeah, that's good. So that's, uh, <laughs> that'll be in the sermon on Sunday. Um, and, and that said, so, there, you know, hey, there's there's some stuff that is missing, you know, from that in our, our lives, but there's also a lot that we've gained from it. And, I, you know, when we started to talk about, hey, that we were going to do Revelation as a series... Uh, it was you actually that said, Hey, what if we did a, you know, a podcast? And it actually was very freeing for me because I was very stressed about how do we, how do I teach revelation on a Sunday morning in 30 minute increments of which people right. are going to miss here or there. And, um, and the answer was, we were not going to, Yeah, you can't at least not very well, you know? Um, and so that's what this is 
born out of. And honestly, today, uh, I think we're about to reach peak deeper. Uh, because that's, <laughs> it may be a disclaimer. Yeah, right. Should we do, I don't know. Is this a trigger warning? I don't know what this would even be for. I mean, we're so it's Revelation 13, which is like where, you know, the mark of the beast, uh, the Antichrist, like everything that you've seen in movies. The books. The books. Like, this is it. Like, we've, you know, we've gotten a lot of mileage out of this in our lives. I remember working, one of my first jobs, actually, my first job was working at Family Christian Stores uh, in Beaver Creek, Ohio. Uh, FCS Store 41, actually, which none of them even exist anymore, unfortunately. They're all out of business. Yeah, they owed me money, actually, when they went out yeah, of business. Right? I digress. Well, that's, yeah, that's another podcast, probably, that we need to, <laughs> to put together. Yeah, we'll go deeper into that. Um but I remember when all of those Left Behind series came out, they were, you know, each each one had its own color and obviously its own title, but uh, each spine had its own color for, you know, books one through, I forget even how many there were. So like the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, and it was my job to make sure that all the spines were color-coded based upon each release <laughs> that came out. And so I just kind of grew contempt towards these books because <laughs> people would pull them out and leave them on the floor or put them back wrong. And so... Did, did Mo Tima, did young Mo Tima, did you have to wear a uniform? Like, what was... He had to wear, he had to wear uh, khakis and a collared shirt. Yeah, was it like a, was it a family like issued yes. shirt? A, a family Christian stores issued collared stitched logo shirt. Yeah, it was nice actually. Did you have to buy them yourself, or they provide those? They provided them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one more question, and this is un- uncomfortable. You don't have to answer <laughs> this, but that was on your name tag. Was it Martin or was it Mo? That uh, that is actually we've gone too far. You've gone too far in asking that question. It was Martin, wasn't it? It was Martin. Oh yeah. man! So Martin yeah. Teeman. My real name has been exposed. Uh, organizing uh, organizing <laughs> left behind books. On. <laughs> but that's like one of the big memories. And then the movie came out, and and I mean that was like what early two thousands when. Oh dear lord, that's when it was. Yeah, early. No, late late nineties, late nineties, early two thousands. I would say like ninety five okay, so, to o two. So that was the books. When did the movie come? No, the Kirk Cameron question. one. Because a good question. Because it was obviously a vehicle for Kirk Cameron's uh, kind of uh, relaunched his career return. And then uh, Nick, uh, what was the Nicholas Cage? Nicholas Cage. They made another one. Another one. Yeah. How much money did Nicholas Cage owe, like in back taxes, to do that movie for us to recover his career? Uh, here's the thing: we're 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 laughing about it, and there's actually uh, some of that is why. People avoid this altogether. Um, we th- there's this doctrine that is literally central to the Bible itself. On almost every page of the New Testament, Jesus taught about it. Paul talked about it. Paul talked about it to the church in Thessalonians. If you read the First Thessalonians, I think it's five. He says, "Hey, I taught you this stuff when I was with you." And that was the first letter. He was only with him like three weeks. Oh wow! On that first time, so that meant that Paul didn't think of this as like some extensive seminary level thing. This was literally part of like he would say, "If I've only got three weeks with you, I'm going to run through the most important things." Yeah, and the return this is of one of them, yeah, the return of Jesus is important. Yeah. And you know, throughout history, uh, people have thought that Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. But now we say that almost like in a pejorative sense, like, oh, well, everybody thinks that. They thought that in Hitler. John thought that. The apostles right. thought that. And, but we say that like pejoratively as opposed to that that was actually the way that Jesus set it up. 
because when you, if you look at the, the parables, you look at when they're trying to get insider information from Jesus out of Matthew 24, the return of Christ was actually, he left it as an imminent possibility as literally part of our discipleship and our mm-hmm. spiritual growth. Yeah. Now we're Christians and we're in America, so we will figure out how to monetize almost anything. So that, you know, uh, has worked True. out you know well for some stuff. But the fact is, is that if we, if, if, if that causes us to now think, well, I don't even want to think about it at all. Um, what I've told other pastors that we're going through Revelation, they'll, but some of them will go, huh, well, that's interesting. That's a, that's a tough one. That's a, right. you know, and even look, if you go to like Tim Keller's website, one of the smartest guys in the world, right? Um, and go to Gospel in Life and look at his sermons and look at the, like, for Redeemer. And I, I, there's like a sermon from every chapter in the Bible. The dude's been doing this longer than I've been alive right? until you get to Revelation. And then he's done some sermons through Revelation, but not that many. Starts like, to slow down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tap the brakes when you get to the end. Here's the thing. I, we're, we may be in the weeds, but I wanted to say that because it's this stuff actually is important. And if, if it's part of the enemy's plan for you to think, well, nobody can know, so I don't want to know anything. Um, this is all metaphor, so what can we possibly understand from it? I just think that's all plans of the enemy to keep it off of our radar and to keep it from being a central part of our doctrine, because once it's central, the enemy knows that if it's central and we believe that Jesus is returning, then churches, uh, Christians, look, we're not screwing around then at that point. Yeah. So, uh, so that's it. In Revelation 13, like this book that we're in, you know, Mark of the Beast, the 666, I, look... Eddie DeGarmo, right? In in 1984. Wow, good good recall. DeGarmo and Key, man. That was like the, the 666 uh, song. Do you remember? You're not even old enough to remember that. <laughs> I have to say, I don't remember that. Oh. Obviously, I know DeGarmo and Key, but I don't remember that song specifically. Well, that was before. Wait, what year were you born? <laughs> Jeez. Don't tell me. 1980. Yeah. I made the cutoff. I made so it you would have been like three when yeah. this song came out. Well, I was like 14, and it was a hot song. And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> But the, the, the 666 becomes about the Antichrist, and it becomes about this imagery and this novel. And, you know, what we touched on at Conduit last week was that uh, the very last verse here in Revelation 13, uh, when he gets to the, the number, he says, verse 18, this calls for wisdom. Yeah, for sure. Right? Not knowledge. We have lots of knowledge out there, but this is not knowledge. It says it calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and that number is 666. Yeah. So how much energy do we put into trying to figure out who he is? And it's funny you say how much energy, because I was going to mention, are you familiar with the Monster Energy Drink logo? No. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm your first. Yes, I'm actually very okay. familiar. My wife will tell you there was a season in my life where I might have drank too many of those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, there's this thought that it's the, that the logo is 666 because you know how the claw marks that make the M? Yep. There's three lines. Well, the one, one of those is believed to be the Hebrew symbol for the number six. And you can, <laughs> you can Google it. It's pretty interesting. There's got to be a chick track for this somewhere. Right. Monster so, energy drinks. Yeah. So if you look at the logo, it's three sixes in a row based on, you know, the Hebrew symbol for six. And fascinating. Yeah. That's just well, funny. And some of that, though, that's the, you know, hey, the, the letters and the language uh, in the Greek, they have an alpha and they've got a numeric. Um, and so there actually are those who 
over the years. And by the way, everything from Barack Hussein Obama. All the numerology. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's six letters in each one, which I think there was only five. Anyway, but, you know, we would never let that get in the way of a good idea. <laughs> right. But there are those who, you know, by, if I, if most people that would hold to a preterist view, by the way, would say Caesar Nero's name, alphanumeric, actually comes to 666. Sure. Okay. I have no idea whether it's true or not, right. uh, but I've certainly heard it in sermons. And uh, is it that or not? I, I think if it calls for wisdom, then... Um, hey, it's absolutely fun. It's a fun little parlor game to figure out. Mm-hmm. But the, but the number of man, it didn't say the number right. of the man, but the number of man yes. in general. And I believe the wisdom that this called for is six, uh, the number of man, seven, the number of God, and that uh, they were marked by what, by who they worshiped. And Yeah, that's good. When we get into chapter 14, uh, you know, the first few verses, they, their name was marked with the Father. They were marked by what they worship. And so if you miss anything else from today of everything we're going to talk about, that's it, man. Like if you are worshiping power, if you're worshiping sex, if you're worshiping yourself or your, these man-made things... Um, and by the way, worshiping doesn't mean singing like Jason's not going to like write a worship song to sex. Like that's, I guess George Michael already did that, but that's not what we're talking about. Worshiping means to offer your life as a living sacrifice. That's what Romans 12 defines worship as. And so there are a lot of us that have offered our lives to things that then marked our lives, power, our health, our things that aren't even evil things, but if I'm putting the pressure of that to fulfill my heart and my mind and my, it can't bear the weight of it. And so, you know, when John says, first John two, that the spirit of antichrist is already in the earth, the word anti means in place of Christ. And that spirit's been around a very long time. Yes. You know, and I look, I have danced with Antichrist. And, and when I define it that way, you know, I, I certainly put my career as a, as a place in the music world. I mean, I remember even thinking um, when I left that, like, what will I tell people now? Like, I'm a mm. pastor? Like I, and I'm realizing, oh, I had offered my life to the music industry. And even right now, like we're doing, so I'm about to finish a book and I'm working on the bio. This is embarrassing, but I'm going to say it. And I'm trying to decide. That that part's not embarrassing. That part is exciting. My wife's done with me to be. (laughs) It's like this this mistress that I call my book. Like she's ready for me to be done done with that. But in my bio, do I put Darren Tyler used to be an artist manager in the music industry? Former artist manager. At what point is that not relevant anymore? Like at what point? I'm 10 years into this. At what point is Darren Tyler a pastor and a missionary and a father? And I don't know that that's it yet, but that's part of it. Like I realized yeah. I really offered my life to that because my identity came from it and, uh, and it marked my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things of starting a church in Nashville that was kind of hard was there, I mean, people know me here, Sure. you know, and, uh, yeah, Nashville's had, a small town. Yeah, it really is. I mean, as far as like connections, you yeah. talk about the, the, the six degrees of, what is it? Separate. Kevin Bacon. Kevin came, Bacon. Yeah. 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 It's like three in this town. Oh, yeah, it's the biggest small town. In America, I mean, the other night, my uh, when they sent us a picture of the youth group at Sonic, 
I swear, this is a true story. Yeah, I saw that. Picture. And in the, in the background, there's John Mays. John's in the back. <laughs> record label executive. Thank, thankfully, it's a really good record executive. Yeah, yeah he, he supports what we're doing. It's yeah. Great. <laughs> but um, I, look, I, that's, it marked my life. And of all the fun stuff that we're about to talk about, I just want to say that, that the warning and the wisdom is that someday people are going to worship an, an antichrist who is a man who, you know, who is a powerful whatever but the spirit of Antichrist is already here. Yeah. And whatever you're offering your life to, um, whatever you're in a living sacrifice, whatever I'm sacrificing my life for, that is my spiritual act of worship. And anything other than God himself, than the Father, than the Lamb, is it can't sustain it. It's so good. Um, and, and so to that end, though, like there is, again, it's metaphor, but it's a metaphor that actually refers to something. Mm-hmm. And prophetically speaking, in the future, there is coming a man who will rise up on the world scene to basically solve the world's problems. And uh, so all these ideas, again, the left behind, you know, maybe it's because the rapture has happened and... America's no longer powerful because we've, you know, all the, all the Christians, that number has grown significantly smaller since the Left Behind series. Right. But, but still, that could, be, that could be it. That could be part of it. And then a man would rise, and it says he would conquer by peace in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, 8, 9. It talks a right. lot about him. And uh, if you think about it at a time when the world is at a, uh, on their knees, um, a time of peace. Yeah. Because we're finally, like, if, you know, look, and it's true, like, if, you know, I don't know, a couple billion people disappear from the planet, because maybe in America, Christianity has not been on the rise, but globally, Christianity yeah. is on the rise, rise. Mm. That would scare a lot of people. I mean, it scares me to think about it. Sure. So, and there will those, obviously, will come to Christ, but uh, ultimately, this man will rise to power. And again, so the theme of scripture has always been about God uh, restoring and rescuing people, his people. And in part of that narrative was him telling a man named Abraham uh, that I'm promising you, I'm going to take care of you and your children and their children's children. And by the way, if a thousand generations, which is referenced in the Bible a lot, you know, uh, times 70, you know, 70, is that what it is? 70,000? Like that's, that's such an infinite amount of time. Yeah, it's a long time. That uh, I think that that promise continues today to the people of Israel and that you and I, who um, are Gentiles, so in the Bible, there's two kinds of people, Jews and Gentiles. You know, we're, thank God for grace, because we are grafted into that. But this people, Israel, which is why this guy will rule and reign from Jerusalem. Um, it's very specific on that, the, the Jewish people. And part of what we see here in Revelation 13 you see this guy rising who could be considered the Messiah. He does signs and wonders. Like again, so they're my Jewish friends, you know, are, are still waiting for Messiah, Zev Orenstein being one of them, uh, that he's looking for a Messiah. So here's a guy coming saying, Hey, I'm Messiah. Like it's not just coming like as Jesus. Like we we see him as Jesus, but they don't they're not, they don't think he's Messiah. They're looking for the guy who's gonna rise up to be this world leader to save them. And then the second, you know, the beast out of the earth is this false prophet. One of the things that the prophet said is before the coming of Messiah, the Elijah will return. Uh, and he's calling down fire from heaven. It's a, 
this is perfectly set up to deceive Jewish, the Jewish people specifically who are awaiting for Messiah. But not just the Jewish people, but the whole world is what he's after. Is Do you believe that that man is alive today? Born? Do I believe that that man is a human? Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. And I do, by the way. I've, <laughs> I've wondered, you know, I have wondered that what would get the attention of the entire world. And I swear to you, whether it's Joe Rogan, the History Channel, whatever, they're all looking for first contact. Yeah. Right? And so... Someone not from here. Yeah. And if if I'm right, and any type of quote-unquote aliens or Sasquatch or ghosts are all just demonic manifestations... Spiritual beings. Yeah. That... That's a fascinating thought, uh-huh. you know. Um, I don't think so, because in this passage even, it says that he is going to die and then be resurrected. Mm. Again, something very messianic about that. Yes, but which could be, I mean, with technology or with, you know, a spiritual being, like that could be quote-unquote yeah. faked or... That's fair. The, 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 the amount of manipulation, like deep fakes. Yeah. Well, look, and that's so in the olden days, like five years ago... Uh, yeah. like guys like Chuck Missler, um, God bless Chuck Missler that I don't, if that guy, uh, like listening to him was like literally like being shot by a Nerf gun, machine gun style. You're just like, bah, 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 bah. and it was awesome. Um, but he, he, he and many scholars like him would believe that it actually, that now his resurrected is actually the actual, uh, Satan himself mm. possessing that man. Um, yes, that's one way to think yeah, of it. That's very interesting. Um, I am not sure that that's it. Cause I, I have this theory that when we think of disembodied spirits, that we're not thinking of demons right, because they're not disembodied. They have a form. They have. So can they affect our minds? Can they affect the, you know, so when it says come out of him, Mm -hmm. does that mean that there are demons literally living inside of him or are they inside of his head and the voices? I don't know that, but I think that, um, that that is one idea that it could be literally Satan, you know, Embodying, yeah, embodying this guy, yeah, uh, stands to reason, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely an option. Um, we know this, and so your answer, you're asking me a question, which is, he alive today? And the answer, I think, is yes, because it required. I mean, I, I every and again, everybody thought that in their lifetime, Jesus is coming back. Okay, I want you to know, I'm, I believe with all my heart that we are in that season. Yeah. Um, I, I think that it, obviously I could be wrong, but what's happening in our world right now for the first time in history, everything needed and required for the quote whole world. Now, if you make it metaphor and think, well, that, that when it says the whole world, it just meant the world that they knew. Mm. So that's one idea that, yeah, that, uh, cause I, the problem, especially with the preterist view is that when, you know, there are certain things you just have to say, well, that, that just didn't happen. So then maybe the prophecies were wrong, or then they would say, or it could mean that it meant the whole world as they knew it at that time, the revive, you know, the Roman empire at that time. But for the first time, everything we read here is actually plausible and possible in the whole world. Right. You know, I've told you about that before. Like, I, you know, everywhere I've been, and I have been in some remote places, there are cell phone signals everywhere. Yeah. 
except for Bethesda, Tennessee. Right, but which like, we've mentioned. Yeah, 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 College God, Grove, for whatever reason. Yeah, God, God bless <laughs> College Grove. But for some reason, I can't get a cell phone signal at Buford and James Farm. But the rest of the world. And by the way, even there, you could, if you hold it up high on a hill, I, I have found a place where I can get text messages. But, but that's, yeah. it's possible now. Like there are things that, that, that this predicts that, that's possible that were not possible even 10 years ago, five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in the last few years, uh, I don't know what they're doing, but Google and Facebook have been drilling and laying lines for high-speed internet from Kampala to Gulu, Uganda. Yeah, I was reading a little bit more about that. and um, Am I remembering that right? Well, it's actually from Portugal. The, 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 the full length of cable of which will be laid and is being laid is from Lisbon, Portugal, all the way to South Africa. Fascinating. Yeah. So it is called the uh, Equiano Project, E-Q-U-I-A-N-O, Equiano. And it's, it's, it's a Google project. Interesting. So did you find anything about what, inside of East Africa, I, I, I say that, I mean, I've been a lot of places, but East Africa is the most intriguing to me because it's also where China has been investing heavily. But um, but the, the, the high-speed internet, like from, because right now, even on just 5G, and maybe they've abandoned it. This has been about five years since I remember reading it, but now with 5G and the speeds that they've achieved, maybe they've abandoned because this was like, they were laying cable, like, like running a line, a cable line. Yeah. So, so, so there's two different projects going on right now. One is the Google project that I just referenced and it's their goal to connect Europe and Africa on the West side, the West coast, okay. all the way down the West coast. Like I said, from, from Portugal all the way to the tip of South Africa. Um, and so that's, that's the Google project. And then, which they, by the way, it is planned to be completed next year. Okay. So it's, I mean, it's well on its way. And then in Uganda, they're saying that there's like, there's 20 million people that already own a, a mobile phone in Uganda. Yes. Actually, look, I know all of them, but yes. Hard to believe. Um, but that, that Facebook is, is pushing to lay, um, to lay wire as well, all through central Africa specifically. And, and I found this interesting in the article they said they want to build better internet access, um, which will bring huge societal and financial benefits, which I, I think is interesting because, you know, I think we could argue in America that we are not seeing the societal benefits. <laughs> I think we could see the exact of opposite of that, right? But that's what they're leading with. That's yeah. what they're saying that's going to bring this kind of change, the societal benefit of having specifically Facebook users. Like it's their yeah. goal to increase their user um, user amount in Africa specifically. So when, what's fascinating about this whole enterprise is that in, so let's say Haiti, these are my friends. Uh, I feel like I, it's my home away from home. And one of the services that the church provides there is electricity. So when you go to a church service, um, look around the perimeter and every outlet has a power strip, and in that power strip, <laughs> everybody that is there is plugging in their mobile phones because because they have cell phones wow. before they even have electricity in their homes. Um, they are ubiquitous, and we have been in America dumping our technology all over the world. And so, there, you know, we might think, how can they afford that? How can they can't, but we've dumped them in there. And by the way, the, the population of Uganda, if I'm right, is 40 million people. So yeah. that's half of the people. Yeah. 
in the country. And, and to that end, listen, here's, the, you know, are these platforms moral or amoral? I would say that the tool of the internet is amoral. We can do good or bad with it. Right. But obviously what we're learning now with social media and the platforms there, like addicting the entire world to a platform um, is a pretty scary thought. And, yeah. and that said, it actually, so what he says here is that, so what he says, we're actually going to go to Revelation. I'll at least read this to you. Um, because it says here that the dragon stood on the shore of the sea, verse one, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had 10 horns, seven heads, 10 crowns on its horns. And look, this, uh, if you go back to Daniel seven, eight and nine, it actually speaks of four beasts in chapter seven. And those four beasts, um, scholars think that it's uh, the, I believe it was the Syrians. No, no, no. It was Persia that conquered Babylon. So this was written in Babylon. And so these four nations uh, that it speaks of, these horns, uh, that the Persian conquered Babylon. So King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebi was, was, uh, was conquered by Cyrus the Great. Biblical in narrative as well as just historical. That's a known fact. And after the uh, Cyrus the Great, the Persian Empire, uh, Alexander the Great conquered the Persian Empire. And from there, uh, you, the exploits, yada, 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 the Greeks uh, then in turn were conquered by the Romans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who conquered the Romans? Technically nobody. They were sort of like they fell down from within. And so uh, historians specifically with a biblical world bent think that, that uh, the Roman Empire will be revived. It is the fourth uh, beast which um interesting like that uh, hitler calling himself the third reich right oh man uh is a reference like to the, the third you know it's a very scary idea but that was his idea of it from a, a biblical narrative the third empire um before this fourth empire but there is a fourth empire coming so he was basically saying i'm part of the roman empire the third reich the third uh mm-hmm. empire and that is what uh, Revelation is synthesizing together is Daniel 7, 8, and 9, speaking of a, a beast who would be the fourth of, uh, of an empire and these, these horns, the, uh, the crowns. The, basically, he's, how do I say this? He is going to lead a coalition of nations, and whether it's the quote-unquote revived Roman Empire, who knows? Um, but when I look at Ezekiel, Zechariah, you look at these nations and then you look at the nations in play right now around Israel, they're all in play, uh, including Turkey, including the Ottoman Empire, which mm-hmm. uh, Erdogan's version of make Turkey great again, right? So I, <laughs> I, is he alive right now? I think he is alive and I think he doesn't live in America. Um, yeah. And I would suspect he's actually not white mm-hmm. um, because the second uh, beast coming out of the, uh, of the land is, uh, verse 11. I saw a second beast beast coming out of the earth, had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. I guess I skipped over the fact that at one point, this great world leader is going to be assassinated and then resurrected, uh, which comes from those first few verses. Um, and it performed the second beast great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven. Again, the idea of Elijah comes to mind. And because of the signs, it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast 
It deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast. Interesting, by the way. Um, notice the language. Historically, like uh, Nebuchadnezzar set up an image, like the, the guy would set up an image. He is saying that I will make them set up an image hmm. of it. Uh, and, and look at the way that it's worded there. Um, uh what verse was that? It's ordered to set up, it ordered them. So, okay, it, it, it deceived. So verse 14, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them, who the inhabitants of the earth, to set up an image of him. Now, Darren's about to fall right into uh, <laughs> complete conjecture here. But what's the first thing you have to do when you get your new iPhone? You know, your new Samsung, whatever for my, uh, for all you people out there that I still judge because you're using droids, droids, you set it up and, uh, to set up an image of the beast. So in other words, it's an image. So again, historically we would have imagined it to be a giant gold, uh, statue, you know, 90 feet tall, nine feet wide, solid gold. It must be a God rust half. uh, 1988. How about that? Um, but this is not saying that. This is saying they, the inhabitants of the earth, will set up the image. It, it literally feels to me like it's talking about like setting up the whatever you're setting up on your phone to set up the image of mm, interesting the beast. Now, um, it forced all people. Uh, actually, no, I'm, I'm sk- I can't skip verse 15. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast. So listen, that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship him, the image to be killed. Mm. Now, again, historically, that sounds like a giant statue is now roaming around, you know, like a, yeah. like Godzilla, you know, killing right. people. But if I have set up an image and then if we're thinking of the image, not the actual beast, but an image of him as what we now know as artificial intelligence, Again, this is f- for the first time in history is something like this, po- not only possible, but plausible. Yeah. That these phones right now are tracking us everywhere. Uh, and, and, and I have a handful of friends that they've opted out of social media because of that very reason, but, but they're still using their iPhone, so it doesn't do them any good. Yeah, no, not really. Um do, I mean, do you remember when the first lockdowns were ordered and I was like two weeks later or something like that. And our governor, who's a good man, by the way, love governor Lee, um, was talking about, well, we know that you guys aren't obeying the rules because we're tracking you. We can see the, the traffic patterns on these maps of who's moving and it. And they just said it like in a sentence and just kept moving on. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. back all the way up. Yeah. I think it was, it became pretty public pretty quickly that, that they were using what's called a Google's mobility project where they can track just basic movements and, and they're not assigned. I mean, they say it, but who knows? You're not, they're not assigned a, a specific ID or a person. They can just track anonymous phones, right? And where but you're did, traveling. But did you know that was happening before? You probably did. Yeah. Yes. I didn't. I was like, but, whoa, whoa. But yeah, so they were setting it. They were showing, they were showing maps and uh, in, in, in the, the activity of, of the general public over the course of a month and how much they were or were not following orders. At, at, and they gathered that information within hours. Uh, which was chilling to me. 
you know, made and, public with links to yeah. follow and track. And, yeah. And here's the thing. Maybe they're not looking at it individually right now, right. but doggone it. They, they've got the technology. Yeah. Like it exists if they know that my phone is moving. It's just a little bit of coding to decide whose phone is moving. Mm-hmm. And again, if it is, uh, he is breathing life into the image of the first beast um, so that the image could speak and cause all who refuse to worship the image to be killed. So now you've almost got like the, the antichrist version of Surrey, uh, you know, it's, this is like, you know, George Orwell stuff. Oh yeah. You know, how on a space odyssey, a living computer, um, that is, that is totally, it's all the stuff of science fiction, even 20 years ago. And now this is actually total, totally available. Yeah. Have you ever watched minority report? The, mm, the yes. movie. Minority yeah. yeah but yeah, I it came remember. out like what? Early 2000 with Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, it was Tom Cruise. Yeah, it was this futuristic, you know, movie detailing what artificial intelligence could look like and predictive. Um, you know, you walk into a store and all the ads that you see are tailored to you, et cetera, et cetera. Like that was the pro premise of the movie twenty wow. years ago. Well, what's wild now is what we have seen in our modern context. And, and do I think that the, the, the tribulation has started that we've already accepted the, whatever, I don't think any of that. Um, in fact, I would go so far as to say that there's no record of anybody, uh, accidentally taking the mark. Like, it's not like then, you know, it's, it's people think of it like the unpardonable sin. What if I accidentally do it? And, and the fact is, is if you're even asking that question about the quote unquote unpardonable sin, then you have not committed it. Like it's, it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. And with this, I think it's that all I'm saying is that the technology exists in our modern context to accomplish what this prophetically 2000 years ago. I mean, if you're John, how, I mean, how did he think that was going to play out? Right. And now the whole world has that possibility. And, uh, and it says that it forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hands or on their uh, foreheads. It's just the word head there. But mm-hmm. again, the, the, like, I don't know where you carry your phone, but I put it in my hand and I put it against my head. I don't know that it's saying that that's the sure. technology, but it's a fascinating thought that that, that mark exists uh, in that. But it says so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast and or the number of its name, which we, we started with that. And, you know, in a future time, uh, a, a world leader who has the technology right now. I mean, we were just talking about it earlier about even in the iPhone upgrade that they can, uh, track you through the COVID tracking. Yeah. Um, Exposure notifications. Did you turn that on? No, (laughs) of course not. Right. No. And I didn't either. And here's why, because if you're like, say you're in an apartment, for instance, and the, the person who lives next door to you in the apartment next door has COVID, you get dinged as if you are, uh, exposed to that and the health department can court force you to quarantine mm-hmm. without any recourse or any pushback. And I'm, I could say all day long, I wasn't, I was six feet from them, but there was a wall. I don't even know them, but there's no recourse for it. Yeah. But that slippery slope, <laughs> the technology exists right now. Yeah. And it was all installed over, essentially overnight on all of our phones, you know, about a month ago. And if, if you own an, especially if you know an iOS, um, if you just go to your settings, you have one of the most recent downloads within the past month. 
you'll you'll see if you just scroll down about halfway in your settings, you'll see a, a new logo and it says exposure notifications. And so it's it's been pushed to every device. Wow. My friend Marshall said that he his buddy got a phone call in Canada. I don't know if I shared this last podcast. Um, and I won't say names or last names because I've just for sure remembered. I don't. I didn't ask for permission for this, but he got a call, and all it said it was from the health department. Uh, you have been exposed to somebody with COVID, and now you are forced into a, a two week quarantine. Uh, no record of who it was. They wouldn't tell them who it was. They wouldn't tell it where it was. Nothing, and and, and not even a negative test can get you out of this. Wow. And uh, you know it's forced, enforced, and punishable with fines um, wow. for for violating it, but. The technology uh, is right there, and it's interesting to me because everything that we've heard so far as far as COVID-19 has all been framed about safety. Um, nothing about health, by the way. Like, you would, this is a health crisis. Let's, let's frame it about health. Let's, hey, let's get everybody taking their vitamin D. Let's get everybody eating healthy. Let's get people losing weight. Whatever, like that, if, what are these comorbidities? It's not been a health conversation. It's been a safety conversation. And 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us that it'll be at a time when people are crying out for peace and safety that uh, he he will come like a thief in the night. I mean, that's that whole language. It'll come on them suddenly. Destruction will come on suddenly. And he goes on to say, I think it's in uh, 2 Thessalonians, that there's uh, there's something in the way right now of actually keeping Antichrist from coming out. Uh, Bible scholars believe it's the, the Holy Spirit, you know, being removed or the church, and that's part of the rapture conversation. Mm-hmm. But there is something restraining it right now, but it will be unrestrained, and at that point, they will rise. But before that, it'll be a time where people are calling out for peace and safety. Yeah. And that is the cry in the streets. That is the cry of the nations. Yeah. We want peace. We want someone who can restore peace. We want people who can restore order and safety. And right. uh, interesting that the uh, one of the names for Antichrist is the man of lawlessness hmm. um, from Thessalonians as well. Yeah. And you know, one of the cries that we've heard lately is defund police. Yep. Um, I heard, uh, an interview and I can't remember who she was. I would totally tell you, uh, but it was an NPR interview and they were talking about, you know, um, well, we don't mean defund police technically. They mean this. And the lady goes, Oh no, no, that's, we do mean that. That's exactly what we mean. Wow. Is defund police. Um, which at a time right now, you know, when it, when most of the things we've seen, I think are from a lack of training of police officers in these terrible situations. The last thing you want to do is defund them, like fund them, fund training, fund, you know, when I've done handgun training, uh, one of the things that Michael Mann tells us is that the training we're going to get with these handguns that the vast majority, like 99% of people on police forces never will receive this training. Right. They don't have time to train them. They don't have the budget yeah. to train them. Yeah. And so, you know, defund Something them. as simple as that. Yeah. The man of lawlessness. I mean, that's why Joe Rogan is moving to Austin, Texas, man. It's like, it's somewhere out in LA that it's become a, a lawless state and it's right. just a scary place to be. Yeah. The man of lawlessness will, will arise. So, um, in the future, this man is going to come, uh, in the future, uh, uh, at a time where everybody's crying out for peace and safety, uh, destruction is going to come suddenly. Uh, it's probably important to remind us that Paul would go on to say that, but not for you. First uh, Thessalonians 5, I believe. Not for you, because you are children of the light. So for you, it's not going to come like a thief in the night. Uh, 
So the idea that we can't know or won't know the season is completely and utterly unbiblical. And he would say that actually you would know if you are a believer, you'll feel it, you'll know it. Yeah. And I think that that's what we know and what we feel uh, happening in the air right now. You mentioned something earlier about technology being amoral or immoral, and amoral allows it to be used for, for good, right? And for yeah. yes. purposes of the gospel. Um, I was looking this up earlier this week, and you know the Bible app that we all have access to yes. um, has had 400 million downloads Globally and l- literally in every single country in the earth. 400 million. 400 million. Yeah. It's That's pretty, incredible, actually. It's pretty cool. And what was really interesting is they released this, I think, um, l- the end of last year, which I, I would be curious to know what this year's is. They released what is the most highlighted, most popular Bible verse in their app Oh, for 2019. So 25, 30, whatever years ago, it probably would have been John 3, 16, right? Yeah, probably. What is it now? Uh, Philippians 4, 6 was the most highlighted, saved, bookmarked verse in all in their entire app globally. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. <laughs> and so they were they were highlighting um, about this, this global idea of worry and that it was kind of manifesting itself through the verses and studies that were being had through the Bible app. Interesting. Which, yeah. of course, they can also trace. Which they can, ironically, <laughs> track and trace. <laughs> I mean, it, but it is, I mean, I guess that's the point. It's amoral in that it can be used for good. Tim Bassanio, MXTV, the number two city in the world that's downloading and watching and viewing their programming is Karachi, Pakistan. Yeah. Uh, there's no way, you know, he could go over there and set up a TV studio and what, you know, uh, but through the internet, um, it's there. And I, good Lord, man, I remember 10 years ago with David Whetstone in a internet cafe in West Africa, uh, Togo, like in, uh, Lome, which is the capital city on the coast. And it was like, I say internet cafe very loosely, but it was like sure. like 50 people, 100 people crammed into a room that was like maybe had room for 20. And they were like, I mean, shoulder to shoulder. And I walked through there. We were looking for a computer because back then I couldn't actually send a document. Um, and uh, you know what it was? It, was? it wasn't that. It was Breezy who was with us. And she was an artist. And she had just finished a uh, an album cover for an artist for a record label. I oh, swear wow. I'm not making this up. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, I just need to find a place where we can upload this. I'm like, Breezy, you're in Africa. Right. This would take like three days to upload this <laughs> this file. And so, but we had to at least try. And so that's how we found ourselves in an internet cafe. But, yeah. um, but we're walking around. And I mean, every single one, little without exception, they were all on Facebook. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Uh, connected together in that way. But so amoral in that that's where guys like Tim Bassanio, it's where guys like our missionaries in North Africa, Mark and Dana are reaching out through social media and finding uh, people searching for the gospel online. So it is uh, amoral in, in that sense. Yeah. They were saying in 2019, the Bible app increased its usage by 30%. Um, and these stats are staggering to me. It says that 5.6 billion chapters of the Bible were listened to, 35.6 billion uh, chapters were read in totality, 1.1 billion days were spent in Bible plans, uh, 2 billion verses were highlighted, 
um, and 478 million verses were shared person to person in in 2019. That is unbelievable. Powerful. Yeah. You used for good. And look, as a, as a church and as a mission, the internet, I mean, going back as far as the earthquake in Haiti 10 years ago has been a platform for us to communicate what's happening in the world. Um, and so, uh, you know, to say that, that your, your cell phone is, is evil is not accurate. Uh, but if you allow, if you allow the spirit of antichrist to breathe his life into this image that you have set up, then yeah, it can become in place of Christ. It can become that in your life, but it also can become a tool for Christ. And what's cool about what you just said is the, the second one of, I guess, it, I guess it was the second most shared verse uh, was Matthew six thirty three, which is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. I just love the fact that that we are, we are reminded and folks were reminded or encouraged to seek first the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's, a, there's some hope there that they weren't, that we are not relying upon our governments, our own governments or ourselves, but to seek first the kingdom of God. Yeah. Not the globe. That was a global verse for, uh, for the Bible app, which every country you know, even in people that, you know, even in the countries that you, you don't get that excited about going to, man, the people that are there, mm-hmm. it's their country. Yes. You know, it's one of the things we've had to teach in Haiti, by the way, is that when we have people and teams going there, um, that if you are, uh, so some of the stuff people have seen for the first time, and it's pretty overwhelming to them. But now our drivers, our contacts, everybody, they all speak English. So when you hear people going, oh my gosh, there's trash everywhere. Oh, how do people live like this? How do... It actually is kind of hurtful to them uh, to remind them of that because even their country is, they're proud of it. They want to find places to be proud of and to mm-hmm. rise up for. And so, you know, what is a challenge is, especially in places like that, but especially in places like us is that seek first the election of your candidate, you know, seek first the, your party being in control. Seek, and that's, that's a global thing. Um, it doesn't mean we don't seek it at all. It just means we don't seek it first. Right. Um, there is a place for us to participate in government. Um, I think people should, I'm, I'm excited when I see, uh, Christians stepping into places of, of influence and, uh, and, and, and authority in our world, but that is not what we seek first. And that is interesting and encouraging that that was the second one. Right. Uh, yeah. Shared. Then it goes back to your, it goes back to your, your message from a couple of weeks ago being marked by worship. What are we, what are we worshiping? Yeah. I mean, that is, uh, gosh, when I think that we, at the core of our humanity right now, at the core of our society, particularly in the West, uh, but globally, People have been worshiping political power. People have been worshiping um, social influence, mm-hmm. uh, actually worshiping social influencers. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways you know that you have been worshiping it is how do you react if it's threatened or taken away from you? Um, it's a good look inside your heart that if you are panicked and freaked out and angry and burning stuff down, that maybe you had been worshiping something um, because it was now removed from you. And, uh, you know, our world right now, um, 
in these next few weeks, it's going to be an interesting few weeks. At the time of this recording, you know, it is October 6th, 2020. A month away. A month away from an election. Uh, that I, if there's ever been an election set up to have uh, a Supreme Court challenge, it's this one. Uh, people getting ballots sent in the mail to them. Um, interesting, by the way, I, I just saw this statistic earlier today. David Brooks shared it, uh, that... 70% of millennials do not believe that humans are, have good intentions at the core of who we are, like uh, that we have bad intentions or like 70% of them. Oh, wow. Um, and part of the core of even mail-in ballots, and I'm not making an argument one way for, or the other. I'm not nearly as educated by this, but one of the arguments that I'm hearing in favor of mail-in ballots is, well, people are good people. They're not going to cheat. <laughs> um, which 70% of millennials, and by the way, I think it's 40% of the rest of us uh don't think that other people have, you know, they, they would say, I think the line is that we have their, their own and in, best interests in mind. Gotcha. And so, uh, you know, with what's happening right now coming up, you know, there, this is going to be a fascinating time. Mm -hmm. and, a, and I can't think of a better time for us to be seeking first the kingdom of God, uh, than right now. Yeah. Cause the kingdom of America, um, man, I hope I, I would be ecstatic if we get another, couple few hundred years out of this i mean I, I'm, I'm okay with that i mean i'm, right. I'm 49 I, you know like my kids and my grandkids eventually right. you know no grandkids yet my daughter is one missed pill away from making us a grandparent but you know so far she's doing good with us um but you know the future i mean i hope that god but but at the same time i don't know i say that now i'm thinking out loud i'm like nah i'd rather just have jesus come back and yeah, restore all this stuff let's go uh you know we, we i guess michael wants to get married right because yeah my son he has plans on Marrying his betrothed next spring. Yeah, so we, yeah, I know that there's at least two people out there praying that it, uh, Jesus doesn't return before midnight <laughs> on May 1st. <laughs> but for the rest of us, I'm, you know, I'm okay with it if it comes back uh, now. Because the kingdom of this world uh, will become the kingdoms of our Lord. And, you know, when it talks in Isaiah about that the government will be on Jesus' shoulder, like that's... Uh, Thank you. Like, that's what we're looking for. Not Antichrist, not in place of Christ, but actually God's perfect rule, his perfect laws being in place. Um, that's coming and th that's intriguing. And until that time, you know, we get to be occupying until he comes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, all this stuff, all this knowledge we can gain about, uh, Antichrist and artificial intelligence, all that stuff. It, I mean, look, it's fun. It, 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 you know, who knows what it'll look like that there's lots of ways that it could play out that, you know, we don't know. We just know that he's coming and we just know that he told us what we should be doing and we'll continue to do that. I, I pray that your churches are all doing that. I can only say for me and my house, you know, <laughs> we will serve the Lord and at conduit, uh, we are continuing that, um, Mo pointed out a fascinating statistic that we've actually raised more money just for freeing slaves in Asia this year than we've actually raised for our own building program, which, you know, <laughs> and here's the thing that actually should make me mad, but it doesn't. It's like, no, no, that actually makes sense. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, I'm okay that, you know, we're, we're, the money will be there for the building when we need it, but we just, we're not going to slow down on that stuff because right. Jesus uh, was so clear of what we get to do and be a part of. And man, you know, if our building will be built and hopefully in time for Micah's wedding. Um, but until all of that, like the Jesus return, that's just our privilege to get to be a part of that. Um, 
So I guess, you know what? This calls for wisdom. The number of man. Don't let, don't let yourself be marked by that. Don't let yourself be marked by the spirit of Antichrist, of in place of Christ. Yeah, and I think one of the, the, the spirit of Antichrist is just the spirit of fear in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I know it's like there has to be a spirit of almost as if there has to be a spirit of fear for a spirit of peace to rush in. And huh. there is a lot of fear amongst people. Um, yes. Well-intended people, well-knowledged people. Yeah. Um, and so I, my takeaway in continuing to go through this chapter, through this series, is that there is hope, that there is restoration coming, that this will all be redeemed Yeah. Um, for us to be vigilant, for us to occupy, to be aware, to not be, to not just fall asleep, but to be awakened um, and to share the truth of the good news to others. And so... Uh, so that that fear is turned to hope. Yeah, because fear, it's interesting, you know, to even bring it that way. Yesterday, our president tweeted, uh, don't be afraid of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I mean, the uh, the legacy media people were apoplectic mm-hmm. about it. Um, and, you, and maybe it's a semantics issue. Should we be aware yeah. of it? You know, should we be cautious around it? All those things, you know, and... Uh, it, to me, it was like, oh, but that's a realization. Should he have tweeted or not? I don't know. Again, above my pay grade. I'm not the president's advisor. I don't even, you know, I don't, that's their job. But what they're saying by that is that um, the, the legacy media people is the way that they're, we're going to make good decisions. The way, the only way that we're going to get ourselves out of this mess is if we are afraid. Like fear is the tool being used to control for safety or whatever metaphor they're using. And I, I kind of I got back at the house, turned the radio off going, oh, so that is the tool. Like yeah. fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Mm-hmm. And again, should we be aware? Absolutely. And we should also be aware that 70,000 college students have been uh, tested positive uh, since school started. And of those 70,000, three of them were hospitalized and one death out of 70,000. It's okay to know that so that you're not like running around right. like in terror and fear. Yeah, because the number wasn't 5,000 yeah. that were infected and 5,000 died. Yeah. Like we actually have numbers to go off of to make rational yeah, yeah. decisions. Yeah, and that's, I guess, my, my point is that fear should not compel us. Love should say, hey, let's protect those who are vulnerable, Right. I mean, that's a that's a thing. Like, let's protect those uh, who are senior citizens who are at high risk. And at the same time, let's protect children who have, you know, ha- literally right now, half of the United- children in the United States are not in school right now. Wow. And from that is mm. hunger. The, 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 the gap between the haves and the have nots is, is only increasing, not decreasing. And. You know the convenient, and I know that you know Biden got got his chops busted because he made a comment about um, I think his word was the 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 black woman stocking groceries, you know, and it, so that became the meme yesterday. I, I think unfairly to him, but but there is a large point here, and that is that the people we're not saving lives; we're just sending other people out to risk their lives on our half. The mm-hmm. people it seems to me the people that are the most in favor of lockdowns are the ones who can afford the lockdowns right. um, and who have their microphones and the safety that they're calling for. Uh, I would say if you're listening right now, um, do do what you think you got to do for your family, but don't do it with fear. 
God has not given you a spirit of fear. The, the, uh, the legacy media, uh, politicians, that's an agenda that they have. And one day Antichrist will, says he'll conquer by peace, but he'll rule by fear. I mean, that's ultimately, it says here that everybody that didn't receive this mark, they're going to be killed. Uh, the beast, they know where you are. They're following you. You know, fear is the way that they wanted to conquer you. That's the way that the enemy still wants to conquer us. And we don't have to live that way. Right. Um, there is hope even in our current situation. Uh, if, if Jesus returns, if he doesn't, our hope was never in this government anyway. It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the book of Daniel, that our God is powerful enough to rescue us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow to your beast, to your mm-hmm. in place of Christ. Uh, you know, there is no trophy promise for doing the right thing. Um, would have been great, but that's just not the promise. Doing the right thing is its own trophy. Uh, and our trophy comes from Christ himself. Uh, if you're listening to this today, uh, Mo, how can they find us, keep in touch with us? We we really hope that you can kind of just follow what we're doing um, on our, um, our different socials, whether it's through Twitter or Instagram or even Facebook that we talked about today. Uh, <laughs> use it for good. Yeah, use it for good. You can find us by just searching Conduit Church in any of those. Uh, of course, you can find those links um, and our previous podcasts and, and our teachings and anything you would want to know about Conduit Church or the mission just by simply going to our website, conduitchurch.com. Yeah. And for those that have been asking... Uh, helping us free the slaves in Asia. Uh, these are all Christian families that we have released, family 41 so far. That's awesome. Um, if that's on your heart, uh, you know, for every, it's, I think we're figured on average around $1,500 is what it costs. And that costs, that's everything from allowing them to be f- paid for their freedom, as well as relocation, getting them back into their homes and getting them back to work again. Uh, you can find that information on our website, conduitchurch.com. If you go to uh, the donate button, it actually, there's a thing that says Operation Freedom. You could donate it there. Uh, and we would be more than happy to be the conduit of those funds for you. A hundred percent of that is going to help uh, free those families. It's really exciting. So, yeah, it is exciting because it actually talks here about the Babylon a drunk on her adulteries. And, you know, the thing, one of the things about Babylon is slavery is core. Mm-hmm. We're going to see that in a few chapters that when Babylon is. Mm-hmm. destroyed one of the things that is destroyed is uh, is slavery uh the spirit of babylon uh is slavery so when we do that we are literally sticking a pitchfork into the butt of the dragon to you know <laughs> just sticking it to him so thank you for those of us who stuck the dragon in the butt that's good <laughs> for that so thank you for listening uh if you're in the nashville area man we'd love to have you join us uh, Sundays, 8.30, 10, 11.30, uh, com for that. And if you're not in Nashville, by the way, we're seeing J- uh, Japan this week, Spain, uh, around the world. We're totally international now. There's awesome. like, like one person in Japan, so that counts. I'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, but you can you can join us online, uh, com, and our live stream is available there as well. So thank you guys for tuning in as always. We are grateful and we will see you if not this Sunday. Uh, Hope you'll join us again next week on our deeper podcast.